This is America on the Road, winner of the International Automotive Media Conference Gold Medal Award for radio and now in its 25th year on the air. Thanks for being with us as we bring you the latest automotive information from around the world. Autonomous vehicles are in the news this week and we'll tell you who Ford has partnered with. And there's news about how Tesla owners feel about their vehicles from a very credible source. So you'll want to stick around for that. America on the Road is brought to you by Mercury Insurance and DrivingToday.com. If you're looking to save some money, you should switch to Mercury for your auto and home insurance. Californians save an average of $670 with Mercury, so imagine how much you could save. Get a quote today at MercuryInsurance.com. Hi, I'm Jack D. Red. With me is co-host Chris Teague. Chris is based in Maine. I am based in the wilds of Southern California, uh, where we have uh, just gone through a, a crazy election. Chris, uh, how are things in Maine? No crazy elections there, right? Yeah, thankfully no crazy elections here. I think that we'll save that for next year. But uh, we're now entering uh, fool's summer here in Maine, which is where everybody believes that it's going to stay warm for a little bit longer. But uh, we'll probably cool off quite rapidly in the next week or two. Uh, How are things in your side of the world? Pretty much the same. Uh, You could ask me about the weather pretty much every week for the next (laughs) 52, and I'd say it's about the same. It just doesn't change that much here, which I I guess is one of the beauties of it. Uh, If you like 72 degrees and sunny, well... That's what you're going to get in Southern California. That's why the movies moved here in 1900. Uh, A reliable source of sunlight was what Hollywood brought to them. So you got that going for you. This week, our special guest is Ola Beasy Boyle. She is a delight, number one. She's also vice president of product planning and mobility strategy for Hyundai Motor North America. And I'm going to be talking to her about what's going on with a lot of things, including the new Hyundai Santa Cruz. We recently caught up with her there. Uh, But she has a lot of other responsibilities as well. And in the road test segment, Chris, what will you be telling us all about? I drove the Ford F-150 with the power boost, uh, the new hybrid powertrain. So exciting there. It is exciting. Of course, the best-selling vehicle in America. I just drove the new 2022 Volkswagen Tiguan compact SUV. It's the best-selling Volkswagen uh, here in the United States. And uh, interestingly enough, it's a, a big bestseller uh, for Volkswagen around the world. So we'll have that for you. And we'll have some news. We'll have uh, news about who Ford Motor Company is teaming up with uh, because they have some interesting bedfellows in this new uh, autonomous vehicle uh, endeavor that they're going to undertake. So stay with us for that. Uh, with Chris Teague, this is Jack Red with you. And we're so glad you're with us right here on America on the Road. Welcome back to America on the Road with Chris Teague. This is Jack Red back with you, and it is news time and interesting news. We try to have interesting news for you each week, but I think this is particularly interesting because Ford Motor Company is teaming up with some interesting bedfellows in an autonomous vehicle, um, I wouldn't say scheme, but uh, initiative, and it's for uh, delivery service. Uh, they've teamed up with a company called Argo AI, uh, I think that's artificial intelligence is probably what AI stands for there. And a company you might have heard of called Walmart. And they're going to have an autonomous vehicle delivery service in Miami, Austin, Texas, and Washington, D.C. Interesting places to experiment, kind of uh, middle-sized cities. And they're going to use the Argo AI self-driving system to deliver Walmart orders to customers. What's your take on that? Having uh, a vehicle just pull up, nobody in it, and... uh, you get your stuff. 
I think it would be a really interesting uh, experience to be on the receiving end of that. But for the, the companies themselves, it's a good opportunity to test the autonomous technology without people sort of mucking up the, the process in the middle. So if they have a set route, these sort of delivery services are a great way to get uh, to, to validate their technology and the hardware uh, in a somewhat controlled environment. So I think it's a good step forward and I'm excited for it. Yeah, I'm sure Walmart would love to increase its uh, home delivery service. Of course, they home deliver a lot of stuff already, tons of stuff, but uh, they're certainly behind Amazon and that, and maybe this is leapfrogging Amazon a little bit. I know Amazon is also experimenting with uh, autonomous delivery. You know, I I would miss probably the uh, human interaction of seeing the delivery people. uh, We always wave to each other. I thank them for uh, dropping stuff off, and it's kind of charming. I don't know that I would do that with an automated delivery truck, but at the same time, uh, I understand the value of this. It would be interesting. And I think it's a good good way to test uh, autonomous operations as well in a controlled environment, as you say, Chris. Um, This is not something where individual uh, consumers, you know how pesky and (laughs) individualistic they can be. Uh, They're harder to control than an organization like uh, Walmart. So uh, I think it's a it's a good little test. It'll be interesting. Yeah, I think the real <laughs> the real change here will be if you have a robot delivery person, so an actual robot that that walks up to your door. I think that might be a little a little bit more shocking than this. And some people may not even know the difference unless you're being told uh, your package arrived via robot. You may not even know that that you were part of the part of the study there. Yeah, I wonder how it knows or where to put the package. Uh, you know, uh, sometimes our packages end up uh, on a bench that we have on our front porch or uh, behind a little staircase that we have, and they seem to kind of hide them. I wonder what happens, you know, that last few feet strike me as uh, kind of questionable. What, what happens there? <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, it's not going to be able to follow the directions that your your person delivery driver uh, follows, or you may just have to walk out to the curb and pick it up. You never know. But uh, either way, it gives them a good shot to test the, the vehicle, As you, like we said earlier. They're not following like a taxi route where they have to go a different street every day. Uh, as long as they're in that that sort of mapped area, that gives them a good chance. You know, We say controlled, but there are there's traffic, there's people. Uh, there's all sorts of things that change there, but at least the route stays sort of static uh, and gives them the chance to test the cameras and all the things that keep them from running into people and animals and other vehicles. So uh, I think it's a great thing to do. I, I can't wait for the, the time where we have taxis, you know, that are doing this sort of thing and GM's doing some of that too. But uh, I think we'll see delivery trucks for a long time before we actually see uh, people in autonomous cars. I think you're right. Absolutely true. Well, let, let's switch gears a little bit and go back to what we were talking about last week, uh, the appeal study from J.D. Power. It really measures people's emotional attachment to their vehicle. And one thing we didn't get to report last week because the information was was not available yet was how Tesla did in appeal. And it is not officially ranked, but we have the information on Tesla now. And it had an index score of 893 on a thousand point scale, three points lower than last year, but uh, very, very high, actually. It's uh, among the highest, if not the highest, although it was not officially ranked and the reason it doesn't uh, is not ranked is not that J.D. Power has any prejudice against Tesla. Tesla doesn't grant the company permission to survey its owners in 15 states where it is required to grant that permission. So they don't get information from owners in those 15 states. What they can do is kind of extrapolate from the other 
uh, states. I think that would be 35 states, if I'm counting correctly, uh, to get a score that um, is appropriate for them nationally. But uh, that's a good score. Obviously, Tesla people uh, love their cars. They don't score all that well in initial quality, but they do very, very well in appeal. Yeah, as you say, it is an interesting sort of mix because uh, Tesla placed 30th out of 33 manufacturers on the JD Power Vehicle Dependability Survey. So uh, they're not they're not the top for initial quality, as you say, or on dependability. So uh, the fact that they don't have like a formal marketing department, you don't see a ton of Tesla commercials on TV. People gravitate toward them from an aspirational standpoint. That's the vehicle that a lot of people, even non-car people, seek out. So uh, I think there are a lot of reasons we we could sort of peg the appeal score to it. But uh, as you say, the gap between appeal and IQS or initial quality is is quite striking. Yeah, I think some of appeal score is people justifying their own decisions, right? I mean, you're not going to say, wow, I really, or some people won't anyway, I, maybe some people will, but you're less likely to say, wow, I really screwed this up. Uh, this is terrible. Uh, especially if the car is just kind of okay, you're probably going to be very enthusiastic about it. And I think uh, Tesla people are in particular uh, enthusiastic and essentially disciples of uh, the brand, which is, you know, good for that brand. Yeah, they've definitely gotten, uh, Tesla has gotten by without, you know, formal PR and without outreach. You know, it's all done via Elon Musk's Twitter account. And then everything else is word of mouth. So uh, it's not surprising to see that they, they're winning on, I guess, appeal. But like I said, I would, I would expect it to have been a little bit more in line with the actual operations of the vehicles. But uh, nothing makes sense. Not everything makes sense these days, I guess. Uh, so true. That is so true. <laughs> we'll see if this makes sense to you, Chris. There is a new uh, marketing program from Lexus, and I know you're a Lexus fan. And it revolves around the IS Sports Sedan, I think a vehicle that you're a fan of. Uh, if I, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but uh, I think that's true. And there will be a new version of it, the 500F Sport with 472 horsepower, uh, a V8 engine. What they are doing is they are having putting together uh, essentially kind of a TV show. It's almost like, um, what would it be like? Uh, Survivor, maybe? It follows 14 auto enthusiasts, and I thought, Chris, you might be one of them, who put their driving skills to the test and they're vying for the opportunity to be among the first five people in the country to own an IS500 F-Sport performance vehicle. What do you think about that as a marketing plan? <laughs> well, you're right. If I had known about it earlier, I probably would have uh, tried to throw my hat in the ring. But there are people who are more deserving of a new Lexus than I am. And I am a fan of the IS. I've owned two of them. I had a, an IS300 a long time ago and a 250 uh, not that long ago. Uh, but I think it's neat, you know, anything they can do to, to drive the interest there. This is likely to be one of the last, if not the last V8 car we see from Lexus. Uh, so, you know, and they've done a great job with that particular engine. So drawing the attention to it is is, is uh, understandable. But uh, I'd really just like to drive the car. I can't wait to see uh, what the V8 does for it. Have you driven the new one yet? I have not, and I'm excited to drive it. And I think this is a really interesting and, and wise marketing uh, operation here because obviously, uh, I guess it's fairly obvious, people who buy the IS are a very small subset of uh, car buyers generally. So doing big time TV advertising or something like that is probably wasting a ton of money. But doing something like this uh, documentary film uh, that is looking at owners uh, or potential owners who are a lot like the people who are going to buy it. I think that's uh, pretty wise. 
Yeah, and seeing it used in what hopefully will be real-world situations, it's a lot better than a commercial anyway, so good for them. Yeah, although driving on a track isn't necessarily real-world either, <laughs> but uh, uh, it sure is fun, and it makes for good TV or it makes for uh, good streaming content, uh, as they describe it now. So uh, I'm going to look for that, and uh, we'll give you a review on an upcoming show. Well, when we come back, we're going to be doing some road testing. And, uh, Chris, you were driving the most popular vehicle in the United States. I don't have to tell you that, but I'm telling the audience that. It is the uh, Ford F-150. You're driving it in power boost form. And I just had a drive in the all-new 2022 Volkswagen Tiguan, a very popular compact SUV from Volkswagen. It has become uh, one of their bestsellers. So we'll tell you all about that when we come back. Thanks so much for being with us right here on America on the Road. Welcome back, everybody, to America on the Road with Chris Teague, Jack Nerad back with you, and it is road test time. One of our favorite segments. It might be our favorite segment of America on the Road. Chris, I think it's your favorite segment, isn't it? It is, and I don't know whose it wouldn't be. It's such a great, great opportunity to get out and try all the new, uh, all the new vehicles that are coming out. And you tried a very new vehicle that's very cool. It is also the best-selling vehicle in the United States, the Ford F-150. And you had a, a particular version thereof. Why don't you tell us about it? I did. This is uh, the 2021 Ford F-150. So the truck was all new for the 2021 model year. Uh, loads of new tech, slightly new style, though it looks an awful lot like the one before. It's just a little bit smoother around the edges. But I was testing the uh, Power Boost hybrid version. So this uses a 3.5 liter turbocharged, or I should say twin turbocharged V6 and uh, electric motors that produces a total of 430 horsepower and 570 pound-feet of torque. Those are very healthy numbers uh, through a 10-speed automatic transmission. And uh, the truck comes with rear-wheel drive. I was testing the King Ranch version uh, with the FX4 package, which had four-wheel drive. Uh, the base price is around $30,000 for this truck, a little bit more than $30,000. Uh, but as trucks tend to do, this one got quite expensive. So the King Ranch starts at around $58,400 or so. And uh, $19,000 later, uh, my truck landed at $75,000, which uh, included the power boot, powertrain upgrade, uh, panoramic sunroof, the FX4 package, and then a bunch of other Ford options that I'm not going to go through the entire list. But the King Ranch is probably one of my favorite trims of the F-150. It's just such a luxurious uh, plush version of the truck. It's got perforated leather and the King Ranch branding everywhere. And I'm curious, Jack, to get your opinion. I think you've driven this truck, but do you have a favorite sort of F-150 configuration since there are so many of them? You know, I'm not sure that I do. I, I'm not sure that I share your enthusiasm for the King Ranch. It's nothing that I have against the King Ranch. And I love Texas. Uh, maybe that's a little too in your face for me. Uh, you know, I, I kind of like the mid-level trims and I, I like the uh, value of uh, something like an STX or those kind of trims that are, you know, kind of downscale a little bit, but they just seem so um, utilitarian and at the same time really comfortable. I, I kind of gravitate toward that. I can see that. And they, they make so many different versions of the truck that you could get a lower trim and deck it out with plenty of the features you want probably spend uh, a lot less than $75,000 uh, as it goes, because that's, that's pretty stout for a lot of people. But in any case, on the inside, the truck, uh, they come standard with an 8-inch touchscreen. Ford went the, the way of RAM for the 2021 model year and upgraded. They offer a 12-inch 
uh, touchscreen now. It's a giant, uh, horizontally oriented rectangular touchscreen running Ford Sync 4, which is the same thing that the same system I tested in the Mustang Mach E that we talked about just a week or so ago. Uh, that runs two apps side by side. It's got wireless Apple CarPlay and Android Auto. Uh, the truck had an upgraded Bang & Olufsen sound system. So on the technology front, I think it's hard to, to argue with Sync. It's one of the easier-to-use systems. It's got a great colorful display, the menus. It doesn't take more than a tap or two to get to what you're trying to do, which makes it less distracting to use. And, of course, on a, on a big screen, even for someone like myself who needs glasses in almost every situation, uh, it's easy to see and, and navigate around while you're driving the truck. So I think that was a, a win there. Um, on the inside, this was the uh, super cab or super crew configuration, I should say, which is four doors. And somebody's probably going to correct me on that. Uh, super crew is what it's called. Super cab is the shortened, the shortened rear door. Uh, but there's really enough room here for the whole family. We have, you know, you've heard me talk about car seats and throwing kids. I don't throw my kids, but loading kids into the back seat of cars. Um, and, you know, besides the ground clearance, there's just there's plenty of room in the back of the truck for two kids, a dog, two kids and a dog, two kids and some cargo. Uh, you and your spouse or the person up front still have plenty of room, uh, headroom and legroom. Uh, the, this King Ranch had fold-out uh, retractable side steps, which are a great option to have, but even fixed side steps just help kids and people climb up into the, to the truck. And I think overall, it, most people are going to be surprised if you haven't ridden in a truck recently, how nice and how luxurious they can actually be. But uh, on the road, the uh, power boost engine starts off low on, on the electric motor. The transition is very smooth. There are times cruising in traffic where I look down and see that the engine had shut off and the truck was coasting on battery and electric motor power, which is a great way to save fuel. And uh, I landed the week, uh, ended the week with around uh, 21 miles per gallon total mix between highway and city driving, which I think is a great step forward for the full-size truck and is a good transition point for people kind of on the fence about whether uh, a more efficient powertrain could work out for them. Well, it's interesting that Ford placed a big bet on those kinds of powertrains, uh, hybrids and a uh, combination of turbocharging and direct fuel injection and all that stuff. And it seems to have worked out for them. At the same time, the competitors are sticking with big V8 engines and a lot of times getting you know, kind of similar fuel economy. So uh, I guess there's different ways to uh, s slice the onion, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I guess that's a yes. <laughs> <laughs> I guess Sorry, you agree. Yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You can't just shake your head on this, Chris. It's uh, it's radio. Uh, or nod your head or whatever. And you're like, what, what's Neer Head talking about? I gave it? you a giggle. Yes. And, uh, thank you. It was very generous of you. <laughs> well, I was driving the 2022 Volkswagen Tiguan. And it's interesting to drive this vehicle that is uh, changed. And at the same time, you look at it and you go, is it really changed? <laughs> it is changed. It has a new uh, front end on it. And uh, this is the kind of thing that Europeans get excited about that maybe we don't in America get quite as excited about. To me, I liken it to putting on a new pair of glasses, you know, or, or something like that. It, it hasn't really changed uh, the face of it totally, but uh, or the vehicle totally, uh, far from it. Uh, but it is a little bit of a facelift and a little bit of a different look. And it also has added a lot of features. And I think that's uh, one of the great things to know about the Volkswagen Tiguan for 2022. This has become the best-selling Volkswagen in the United States and worldwide. So uh, a lot of people are liking the value of this vehicle. And I certainly like the value of this vehicle. It is one of the few compact SUVs 
that offer a three-row configuration, and it's not even a terrible three, a third row. It's not a, a third row that um, is kind of like the black hole of Calcutta or something like that. It is a somewhat accommodating third row. It's not necessarily for adults for long trips, but uh, certainly is fine for kids. And so that's a differentiator. This time around, in addition to the new front-end styling that has standard LED headlights, uh, it also has more standard technology. Uh, the digital cockpit that I think, Chris, you probably like. I, I like. I know you're a tech nerd, so I ex expect that you like the digital <laughs> cockpit. What's your take on digital cockpit? I do like the digital cockpit, and I love that Volkswagen has pushed it out to more of their vehicles for 2022. So uh, big plus for me there. Yeah. It has keyless entry, a Kessie brand keyless entry, uh, a steering wheel with touch controls. 15 color ambient lighting. Some ambient lighting offers as many as 64 colors. This is 15 colors, and to me, that's plenty. <laughs> I, you know, I don't need my uh, the interior of my vehicle to seem like a cheap nightclub, uh, or even an expensive nightclub. Not that I go to tons of nightclubs, but uh, I think some people like that. Uh, it will show you on the dash the road signs, so you can see what speed limit you're exceeding. We would never do that, of course, uh, but others do. And they've kind of trimmed up the uh, whole model scheme. There are now four trim levels, the S, the SE, the SER, uh, the SER line black, excuse me, and the SELR line. As I mentioned, they come with an 8-inch uh, Volkswagen digital cockpit instrument cluster, and you can get a 10.25-inch uh, cockpit pro cluster. That's uh, even better because it's bigger. Um, and heated front seats, our standard equipment. Gosh, you gotta like that. I love heated front seats. You're a main guy. You must really love heated front seats, Chris. I do love heated front seats and the heated steering wheel too, although I am waiting for a cooled steering wheel at some point in time, so I'm, I'm wondering why we haven't seen that yet. Really, a cooled steering wheel. I have never <laughs> desired that uh, for a minute in my life, but uh, you know, I think I'm always running a little cool and I, I need to be heated up, so that's that's a good thing. This, of course, is a front-drive vehicle uh, that is also available in all-wheel drive. And uh, one of the things I should mention, I'm just going through stuff here, but uh, I should talk about the driving experience because I had a chance to drive this in, here in Southern California and some really great roads. And the Tiguan is just fun to drive. Uh, I think it's one of the most fun to drive of all the compact SUVs, the crossovers. And it's fun to drive in both uh, four-wheel drive trim, the four-motion all-wheel drive, or in front drive trim. Um, and there's a lot of premium features to it. One thing I like, too, is the when you have a uh, second row, the second row is a 40-20-40 bench uh, in the all-wheel drive version. I think that's just a little uh, more versatile than the typical 60-40 how do you stand on 60-40 versus 40-20-40, Chris? Oh, very specific. You know, I probably wouldn't have cared about the fold, the seat folding until I started going to the garden department with my wife uh, since we've been married. That center folding seat and having the ability to carry two kids in the back at the same time uh, is, a, is a very huge benefit. So we could carry like a bird feeder down the middle of the car, which has happened. I did that just a few weeks ago. Uh, but when you have your kids with you, you kind of lose out on a folding seat. So having that middle seat is, uh, is a big, big deal. And I would like to disagree. 15 color ambient lighting is great until you have two young uh, daughters who love to turn the car into a nightclub. Uh, so I think they would see 64 is much better, much more preferable for them. 
Well, maybe you could fib to them and say <laughs> you have 64 when you only have 15. They're, they'll catch on to you, though, and you should, <laughs> should not lie to your children. I don't uh, endorse that. It has natural language voice control. And you can say things to it, uh, and this is suggested by Volkswagen. Hello, Volkswagen, I'm hot, which seems like a bit of bragging, doesn't it? <laughs> well, Volkswagen's there to cool you down. Right. So, And they can do it. Uh, so uh, the overall thing is I like the 2022 Tiguan. I don't know that everybody on the street is going to say, wow, you've got a brand new car there because uh, it looks a lot like the 2021 Tiguan, which is Volkswagen's most popular car. So... Um, a lot to like about this vehicle, and of course, a lot to like about the Ford F-150 in its form that you were driving this week. So uh, again, two winners for folks this week uh, that we're reviewing. Absolutely agree. And when we come back, we will be doing our interview with Ola Beasy Boyle. She is the um, Vice President of Product Planning for Hyundai Motor in North America. And you'll enjoy listening to her. She's, she's a lot of fun to talk to. So stay with us for that. With Chris Teague, this is Jack Red with you. And we're so glad you're with us right here on America on the Road. Welcome back, everybody, to America on the Road. Jack Red with you. And we are uh, somewhere in the wilds of uh, Northern California, maybe Central California is a better way to, to describe it, uh, driving a very cool Hyundai vehicle, the Hyundai Santa Cruz, being introduced to us in the press. Ola B.C. Boyle is with us. She is Vice President of Product Planning and other things at mm -hmm. Hyundai. Thanks so much for being with us, number one. Thank you. Glad to be here. Well, you were a terrific ambassador of Hyundai product. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, I, uh, we all feel that way in the press. Mm -hmm. I mean, your uh, enthusiasm is infectious and you have a lot to be infectious about. Tell us about your take on the Santa Cruz. You know, we are so excited. We feel we've brought back or we've developed a new segment vehicle for a very targeted customer. A customer who is a lifestyle owner, a little bit more than a pickup owner. And what we mean by lifestyle owner is you sort of want the ride and handling of that SUV, unit body construction, but you also want something that allows you to seek that adventure, maybe on the weekend. And that adventure might be um, uh, surfing, it might be mountain biking, and but you want it to look nice and not um, maybe what you expect um, when you're uh, taking a vehicle out for traditional pickup use. Yeah, I mean, this is not a traditional looking vehicle. It's not it a traditional pickup truck. It's not a traditional SUV, obviously, because it has an open bed. It's kind of a different thing, or at least a different thing that we haven't seen in a number of generations, right? We like to call it a sport adventure vehicle. So it allows you to go on those adventures that you want to take that are part of your, your life. And so the interior has a very similar interior to our Tucson. Um, the, the proud stance that it has also has the great design that you'll see in our Tucson that has the hidden lights in the grill, the DRLs, and... Daytime running lights, for day, those sorry, of us not day, in the industry. Sorry, the yes. daytime mm -hmm. running lights. Yeah. And um, it allows you to have the appearance you like, the maneuverability that you like, to be agile when you're coming up the hills, to have a 2.5 liter turbo, all wheel drive, that where you feel confident so you can do the things that you do. And some people say, well, if there's other competitors out there, what makes it 
more unique or better than the competitors. And in, in, in addition to the... I might even say that. Might you say yeah, that? Yeah, yeah, it's possible. Some I people have say, asked yeah, me that. Yeah, some people might want to know. And what I might say to that is, in addition to the things I just described, just drive it. Drive it versus that competition. Because what I found is, especially today when we're working with all the... the everyone comes back and are, are pleasantly surprised of how well it handles in some of the and I hate to be stereotypical but I'm one of them right <laughs> I, I came back and that's exactly what I told you is yes, you know this drive alone yeah this drives better than I expected I expected it to drive very well but it was really involving it was a lot more fun to drive than I expected and it, it struck me this is a, a truck with or, or a vehicle maybe you call it a truck uh, with some pickup truck uh, versatility and right. usability right but it doesn't handle like a pickup truck. It doesn't that's look like a pickup truck, and it's probably not for pickup truck buyers. So it, you tell that's, them. You have defined it. It is, again, that lifestyle owner versus the pickup owner. So it gives me the style I want, the versatility I want, the open bed cargo flexibility that I need, but I don't, I still, it fits my lifestyle and suits the type of uh, customer that, that I am. And so, um, we feel that targeted customer, and it's based off that same Tucson platform, was just a really great opportunity for us to be able to deliver this type of unique vehicle to unique cons consumers, yet um, still take advantage of a great platform we have in Tucson. And this is a North American only vehicle designed yes. in North America, California, built, yeah, built and built in North America, built in Alabama, designed in California. We're completely proud of this. So tell us how difficult, because it, it might have been difficult to sell this idea inside the company, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, Hyundai is a global company, massive. They want to sell vehicles in all kinds of markets. They're probably in a hundred markets or or more, a hundred countries across the mm -hmm. the world. Tell us a bit about the challenge of selling this concept uh, in, internally, if there was a challenge. So, you know, I'd say the biggest challenge that, that came about was um, we wanted this proud stance and the capability that we just described for you, right? And that was probably going to be more challenging on the prior Tucson platform. So we did have to, as we were developing this new Tucson platform, now we could now include and develop all the things that will allow us to springboard this open bed concept. So that, that was one challenge that I would say. The thing that I do really appreciate joining Hyundai is um, the fact that we speak for the region. So we can describe our target customer for North America, for US, for this region, to really explain how they use, and certain cons consumers will use a sport adventure. And by that here. we mean explaining to the our, parent company, our Korean, yeah, um, the the uh, engineering team based in, in Korea, Korea, all of those things, exactly. Yeah, and, and you get that support. That's interesting. Exactly, yeah. and so there is a respect for our understanding of what the North American consumer will what will appeal to them, and so after we got over the platform challenges, now we said, well, this is this is what we want to do. We do a lot of research to really understand. In fact, the sport adventure vehicle. Um, where that came from, we actually talked to consumers here. We actually we gave them some names that we thought, and then we opened it up and said, it, rate these names, but also, what would you call it? And they came up with Sport Adventure Vehicle, and we're like, let's go with that. 
And to be honest, that has resonated with some people. So we, and it, especially with the consumers we're trying to attract. Right. Tell me a, a bit about um, the fact that this has a, a very powerful turbo engine as, yeah. as an available powertrain. Yeah. It wouldn't necessarily, um, you know, I wouldn't necessarily think that that was something that would jump out at you as this is a need to have or mm-hmm. a nice to have. Mm-hmm. It certainly transforms the vehicle into something much better to drive, I would think, although right. I'm, I'm, I'm certain that the uh, base engine is, is per, more than more than adequate. It I think is. 190 horsepower or something exactly. like that is is, is, yeah. is plenty. But tell me a bit about that, the thinking behind the, the turbo engine, the performance. So 2.5 liter turbo all-wheel drive, right? In general, on our SUVs, we tend to, to lean a little more all-wheel drive, like 50, 65%. That's one thing also that we found. So we wanted to bring that, but we thought, as we, we wanted this vehicle to be a sport adventure vehicle, but also capable. And we wanted people to get into it and really be almost surprised by the power and its capability and its ride and handling and its steering. And so all of that was to bring this consumer that is not using it maybe for construction purposes, but is using it and is used to feeling comfortable in their SUV because we expect some SUV buyers to actually consider this. So they have expectations and we needed to be consistent with those expectations. And so that's why we went with this 2.5 liter, liter um, turbo, all wheel right. drive. And it's a company, it's just not power. In, in pickup trucks, a lot of times you'll have a powerful engine. Right, but right in handling, but, steering. Well, and that's what I was going to talk about. I mean, it, it all delivers and it's an involving experience. It's a nice driving experience. We had right. some challenging roads in which we drove just now. Right. Talk a bit about that, the thinking behind, you know, tuning the suspension that way. And, doing and so, especially with the unibody c- construction, when you're coming from an SUV, you have certain expectations for how it's going to ride and, han- and handle. You have, um, you want to dial in just a little bit of steering and it goes where you, you directed it to go. And, and people, ex- that's the expectation that comes from that consumer that we're trying to attack, attract. So this is not someone that says, well, okay, I'm, I'm going to get get it and I'm going to have sort of that body and frame feel and the steering that sometimes that that that's tuned to because that's for other purposes right and well and that is the, the body and frame thing is a truck kind of feel and what you're talking about with the unibody is a car kind of feel a car basically. SUV yes. Yes. kind of feel it's right the expectation we knew that the person that we're trying to attract it that's not they're not they're just not going to want that they're going to expect that and so there was a lot of work that to design the, the, the steering, to the, um, design the ride and handling, and to have the power that people expect. Right, we're talking with Ola B.C. Boyle, who is Vice President of Product Planning at Hyundai. Thanks so much for being with us again. Tell us a bit about the interior. I mean, this is a very SUV-like interior. I mean, uh, pulled almost intact from the, the brand new Tucson, which has a great interior. But tell us a bit ab- uh, about the particulars of the interior. Right. So it's got that nice 10 and a half inch screen. Um, it's got, you know, the, the, the contacts, you know, raised buttons on it. You have a lot of opportunity where it looks modern. The interior is refreshed. There's a cockpit design that you see in it. It's got a great cluster. And again, the things you expect when you're in an SUV is what you're going to get here. And so, again, we get to benefit from the great platform that the Tucson has. What are some of your favorite features of the interior of the Santa Cruz? Um, 
I have gotten used to, I like the, we have some options like digital key. We have um, some options. It has Apple CarPlay. Yeah, well, Android talk Auto. about digital key. I mean, that's kind of a fascinating system. Uh, you could lend your digital key to others, uh, that kind of thing. Right. Tell us a bit about so that. So it allows you to say, oh, oh, you know, I parked the car here or there and go d downstairs and pick it up for me. And you're somewhere far away. And because they have the digital key, they can go open the, the, the car door for you. So, I mean, there's conveniences in your sort of, so you can send that life. to somebody else and their smartphone can then open, get open the, the, the car. car. Yeah. yeah, but you have to obviously enable yeah. that, right? right. And, and so you, you can able, enable it for a set period of time, right? Exactly. And it can expire. Exactly. For ex you can example, disable yeah. it. Yeah, you yeah. can have a valet do that. Exactly. So, you know, all, all kinds of things. So and, you have to make these things work for people in their everyday lives. And so you bring all those aspects um, um, to, the, to the vehicle. Um, I have to say, my favorite, this is on the exterior, and I don't know why I like this feature, but the actual embedded um, steps that you have on the exterior to step up on the vehicle, I love this feature for whatever reason. It's a great feature because you can reach into the bed you from can. all over the and place you and you sometimes. don't have to be 6'6 six, six to exactly, do it. Exactly, exactly. Right. I'm pretty tall, but still when you're trying to get up on a bed, you need that. And so you have like three levels of where you can step to make that. And it was well thought out to sort of make that convenient for people. Right. And I think we have a great opportunity with the accessories that come with this vehicle, with the you know bed extender, um, with all the um, capabilities that you have to, you know, it's got a, um, LED light in the back, you know, the tonneau cover that's lockable. So if you are going to have this in the city and you want to put things in there, you do kind of need that to be to, to be lockable. Yeah, and the lockable storage under the bed. Exactly. That has a drain plug in it. So exactly. it, it could be a giant cooler if exactly. you wanted to use exactly. it that way. And people do 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 have used it that way. <laughs> right. When will this vehicle come to market? When can people see the uh, so new Santa Cruz? So we will um, have it in dealers in about two, three weeks. Give us some sense of pricing from the bottom to the top. So, uh, you know, starting out about 23.9 in that range, and then goes up to um, between 35 and um, less than 40. But lots of opportunities. Lots yeah, of lots of opportunities and lots of accessories. Lots I mean, of accessories. Accessories, particularly I think uh, for the bed, for example, right. to make that bed much more useful. Tie-downs. Yes. Uh, you know, those kinds Tie of Tie downs, things. the bed extender that you can use. Lots of lots of things that you can have. The, the way that the, the, the tunnel cover is a big, big part of that. Um, and then um, being able to, to, again, lock it, lock it remotely. Before I let you go, talk a bit about infotainment system. It seems so important to people these days. Mm. Uh, Hyundai has had a great reputation, I think, for very usable infotainment. Mm -hmm. Talk a bit about the systems available in this vehicle. And so you have, um, so also including the infotainment, you have the app Android Auto, Apple, um, Android um, uh, Auto, uh, Apple CarPlay. You have um, wireless. We talked a little bit about the uh, digital digital key. You have the 10 inch screen, 10.5 inch screens. You have uh, the clusters as well. You have blind spot um, mo uh, monitoring, but you have the rear camera that allows you to actually see what's in your blind spot. You know, in in in, in the dash, yeah, in the dash. Yeah. And people, um, yeah. that's a really a very thing. robust bunch of safety active equipment safety. and active safety equipment. Yeah. So uh, that's something to look for too. So, Ola B C Boyle, thanks so much for being with us. It was it's a hoot. I really enjoyed Jack. It was great talking to you. And I hope to do it again very, very soon. Yeah, we'll do. Thank you. And stay with us, everybody. We'll be right back right here on America on the Road.
Welcome back, everybody, to America on the Road with Chris Teague. Jack Nerad back with you, and it is listener question time. We love taking your listener questions. Thanks so much for them. Thanks so much for listening to us on America on the Road. And uh, here is a listener question that I'm going to put in front of Chris Teague. When do you think EVs, electric vehicles, will be 10% of all vehicles sold? My buddy and I have a bet on this, and I'd like your opinions. This is a question from Leo. He's in Bay City, Michigan. Chris, the gauntlet has been thrown down. Uh, you <laughs> predict, please. Well, I'm certainly not going to bet on it, so I'll go ahead and throw that out there now. But the U.S. is still only around two percent of uh, sales of, e- of the overall vehicle sales being EVs. So, I think we've got a ways to go in this. And I say that even with the fact that several automakers, all the big ones, have said, you know, by 2030 we're going to sell. 50% or more of our vehicles are going to be electric vehicles. So I would say, geez, 2035, maybe. Uh, that's probably my best best guess. What do you think? I think that's a really good guess. Uh, in fact, I might even be a little more optimistic about like electric vehicles than you are, Chris, which I'm kind of surprised about. But I, I don't think it's, it's certainly not going to be 2025. And I'm not even sure that it's going to be 2030 when 10% of all vehicles sold will be EVs. A lot of it really depends on government regulation more than what happens in the marketplace. I think that's going to be the key, (laughs) and you can uh, debate whether that's a good thing or not, but I think that's what's going to send us down the EV road, because in terms of uh, utility for dollars spent, EVs are still much more expensive than uh, internal combustion engine vehicles. Yeah, I agree. You know, it's interesting you brought up a point, you know, given the regulation, it's probably more likely that we see pockets of states or individual states that hit that 10% mark well in advance of the rest of the country. So um, I could see California where you are in New York and some others hitting it way before places like Maine, where, you know, you hear me complain regularly about having a place to charge. So uh, it will be interesting to see, but I'm not going to make a bet on it. Absolutely. And I would not make a bet on it either. And I I think that's our show for the week. Look for the America on the Road podcast. It's on all the major podcast outlets. So check us out there. Subscribe to us if you like. We look forward to seeing you next time around on another edition of America on the Road. America on the Road is brought to you by Mercury Insurance and DrivingToday.com. If you're looking to save some money, you should switch to Mercury for your auto and home insurance. Californians save an average of $670 with Mercury, so imagine how much you could save. Get a quote today at MercuryInsurance.com. And if you're looking to buy a new or used car, you're just looking for auto information, go to DrivingToday.com. That's DrivingToday.com, where you can hear America on the Road and learn so much more. That's DrivingToday.com the official automotive website of America on the Road.